Hello, Character Arc listeners. Welcome to the Character Arc podcast, where each week we watch a movie. Uh, we're going to give a brief synopsis of that film, uh, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, maybe one of our favorite things, any changes we'd make if we were the ones making the movie. I'm Richard Bertelson. And I'm Ted Hall. And this week we watched The Invisible Man. Adrian? He was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then it was controlling when I left the house, and eventually, what I thought. Synopsis? Synopsis. My synopsis is, Invisible Man forgets to silence his cell phone. <laughs> uh, mine is, Man spices up domestic abuse by dressing up in a gimp suit <laughs> while stalking ex-girlfriend around and gaslighting her <laughs> um another synopsis <laughs> uh house guests slaps the owner's ch- the house's owner's child and then pours coffee grounds and paints everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> sibling relationship can easily be destroyed by a a scathing email you know i was thinking about that i was like i mean i would be skeptical but if like let's say you sent me an email like that but then you showed up at my door and were like I didn't send that. I would be like, okay, you're going to need to explain yeah. what happened, but I'll listen. I'll, yeah. But I'll... <laughs> yeah. See, actually, that's... that's uh, Well, I guess before we get into certain gripes, because actually that kind of falls into a category of sort of horror tropes that I kind of want to touch upon. But I guess overall impression, uh, what did you think, Sir Richard? I really like this movie. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it... The way it shot, it edited, the performances are really good. Even down to, like, it, it has a very specific thematic purpose uh, that it wants to explore, you know, and it uses a horror sort of premise to do so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I would argue it's, as far as, like, feeling how a person feels, it's a very good movie about these psychological trauma, domestic violence. Domestic abuse. violence, yeah, like, uh, yeah. Because we are put fully in her shoes and no one believes her. And it's like... That's unfortunately one of the problems in our what society. What happens? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that everyone thinks she thinks she's crazy because of how his her his fucking mind games. Yeah. Everyone else thinks she's crazy because he seems so nice, or he's gone already and he's mm-hmm. not around. So See, that's that's actually one thing that I wish they they had done more with. Not necessarily have his presence be more noticeable, but the mind games where like it's very alienating when you're talking about these things that happen and no one believes you. I felt like they could have expanded that a little bit more, you know. But you know, they're friends. They're they're gonna they're gonna help. But of course, with his uh, Adrian's, was it tomfoolery? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what an insulting way to describe domestic violence. <laughs> his antics, like like a kid playing a prank, is like, oh, you don't see me doing this, so I'm gonna make everyone go against you that kind of thing because right. like i'm gonna put the bottle of uh what, what was the drug it was um diazepam diazepam i'm just gonna whoop, put that there oh you dropped a knife or you left the stove on i'm gonna that kind right, of thing gets, that's what he, i mean he he gets off on how he knows he's fucking with her right. she kind of knows he's fucking with her he gets off on the fact that she can't prove it and he's yeah. thrown in her face yeah well that's what i mean like they should have done more of well 
maybe not should have, but I think it would have been interesting to see that play out more because right when they get into it, like uh, Sydney gets punched in the face. That's pretty ballsy as an invisible person. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to time it to where she can't see exactly and I'm just going to go whack. If, like, I don't think the scene even tried that much to make it seem like, oh, realistically, she could have done it. It was more just that they were the only two people in the room. If if you were the only person in the room with another person and you got hit in the face, even if it didn't seem that plausible that they did it, you would assume they did it. I, no, yeah, yeah. I would look around like, what the fuck fell on my face? That's what <laughs> I, I mean, would they were, they were within hitting distance. <laughs> I, said, uh, I don't know. His reaction to that, yeah, okay, it could have been a punch. But I think this is where... The seeds could have been planted earlier on. Like, yeah, they interview, or not the interview, uh, where they go to Tom, the lawyer, the brother, mm. um, and he's explained, or she's explaining that he is doing stuff even though he's not dead. Yeah, that, you see what I'm saying? Like, that could have been played up more or drawn out um, in more instances where you can see his doubt creeping in. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I agree. Honestly, I think the movie. I think you do see because James already has multiple occurrences of him just kind of thinking she's just overly paranoid and crazy, and so for her, and I don't think. I don't think when she gets hit. I don't think when his daughter gets hit. I don't think he turns against her at that moment. I think when she says, "No, it wasn't me. It was Adrian." That's when he's like, "You and this Adrian shit." You just he's, yeah. he's gone. Like that's when he's like. That's when he believes that she did it is because she's using that same excuse that he's seen be kind of crazy before. Mm-hmm. To defend his daughter being See, hurt. Instead of her saying, like, oh, I'm sorry, I accidentally fell over and hit her. I think when he walked into the room, he was willing to believe something like that. But mm-hmm. as soon as she says it was Adrian who did it, that's when he's like, no, because he did. The whole thing with, the, like, obviously he's being kind and patient with her with the whole thing with the mailbox. But then also he tells, he has to tell her multiple times, like, he can't hurt you anymore. Stop. Mm-hmm. like Because there was already the bedroom scene where she said, I saw... I saw footprints in here. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? What are you about? talking about? Yeah. And then, you, like, you pointed out the <clears throat> scene with the lawyer brother where he's there to support her. And he's like, I'm totally supporting her. And then when she's like, your brother found a way to be invisible. And yeah. he, he just gives those facial expressions like, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But, like, even then, it's like. Like, those are enough reasons to be, like. <laughs> I guess. Well, the thing is, previously, before even the blanket scene, the bed scene, whatever, I, I my impression of him was that he was being supportive. He understand that she had gone through some trauma. Yeah. And so, and like, that's what I mean. Like, even though he, but he see these things, he saw these things, um, he wasn't like, uh, But then his really. child is hurt. At that point, yeah. So that's that, why that, that's, he, that's, that's the tipping point. I'm yeah. just saying more seeds should have been planted. Well, in my, in my, I wouldn't say preference because i don't want any of that but (laughs) i mean would you just like Um, that to have been more of the movie is that what you're saying yeah i think so because like i I think you might agree with me on this but toward the later half it does seem a little bit drawn out Um, yeah i do and i think you know with all of tension especially for these kind of like suspense movies uh these thrillers psychological thrillers it's a lot of that being stretched out and i think having more of that slowly seeped in I think that would have upped the sort of anxiety and tension for her. I get what you're saying now, and I think that's a valid way to go. Yeah, I don't think that I would need that. I would just, I would just shorten the end of the movie. <laughs> I because I felt like I got there just fine. I felt like, I mean, it achieved what it set out to do. I felt like the do. first half established everything that I needed to establish, and I felt the tension. And it's not so much that I didn't feel tension in the later half. I did. It just it starts circling, circling around and reusing the same tension, which is just. Once you can prove 
what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I wish they would just get to the climax faster then. Yeah. Uh, because See, yeah, I, I felt the same way because it almost when during the hospital scene. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, she's exonerated. She she's obviously not insane. Yeah. But then of course it kind of tracked out further. Even just that sequence itself where he kills all the cops. Mm-hmm. How many fucking cops were running down that goddamn hallway? Yeah. He kills like twelve of them. And it's I just I didn't need all twelve of them yeah. being killed because especially because it's not like they're all in the hallway and he does this weird crazy kill of all of them. Uh-huh. It's that two run up, he kills them, beat, two run up, <laughs> he kills them, beat, yeah. two run up, he kills them. It's like Okay, can this scene move on? Because yeah. you've you've got us to such a tense point where she's finally revealed you and she can see you. Mm-hmm. Now move forward with the climax. Yeah. that's something I wanted to talk about in regards to pacing. There were like action. The action sequences were great. My opinion is that it could have been tightened in some cases. For example, the first thing that comes to mind was uh, well, this is where she puts down Tom, uh, who's in the suit. Mm-hmm. Which I gotta say, first impression of the suit. It makes me think of the father homunculus in Full Metal Alchemist <laughs> with all of the eyes. Uh, but it's like a full-on black suit, and there's just eyes everywhere. Uh, yeah, if someone's invisible, they already have the advantage. They can take their time. They can be anywhere, and you wouldn't know, right? Which is what Adrian does at the beginning. He, yeah. he very clearly stays out of her, out of anywhere his physical presence would affect anything uh-huh. and just kind of watches her, right. um, which is something that the, the movie's really good at kind of showing you yeah in that oh yeah very much so yeah if you want to jump on the camera thing just that the camera will move will either we'll do one of two things it will move like a normal camera does in the scene up to a point until it just stops mm-hmm. and your main player usually elizabeth elizabeth moss character cecilia will move in and out of frame instead of the camera following her right giving you that creepy like that something tension, is in yeah. this space and i don't mm-hmm. know what it is but i can kind of feel it, it tracks yeah. yeah it tracks it moves along the hallway but you don't see anything. But obviously, or it'll do the following. opposite and start on a stillness, and then and then pan over. into a yeah. scene, and then kind of move semi-normally. Um, it's funny because I also thought of like it's the opposite of like uh, maybe not the opposite of a quiet place where because you can't see the sense of sound is heightened. Mm-hmm. So you're look you're listening for like okay maybe if the wood creaks over right. here. Or if the bushes move over here, that kind of thing. Or the breathing. Because now... it's le- The camera is letting you see everything in the frame. Almost like daring you to see something move in the frame. Mm-hmm. Even though they're usually very still frames. Right. But jumping back to that thing, in certain action sequences, this kind of this also doubles back for the, uh, the hospital scene. She comes in with a fire extinguisher. She tells Sydney to get down. I would imagine the element of surprise, which they do. Like the painting, or the paint, sorry, where she dumps paint on him. Yeah. The pen... Like, those were like, boom, she got him, right? right? But in that part, I just didn't feel like that quite captured it, especially at the last moment. I can excuse it. I don't know if the movie knows this or not. I might be giving the movie too much credit, which is that in that instance, it's not Adrian. It's not someone as smart as yeah, Adrian. Yeah, I consider that. As Adrian. I consider that. But she also doesn't know that, that right. it's him at that moment. Just to jump really quick, because I want to touch yeah, yeah, on that scene, do. but uh, the fact that it's kind of a horror film, but it's also not really a horror film. It's more of a thriller, but... Uh, the jump scares that exist in this movie, there's only two or three. Mm-hmm. They're really good, and they're not shitty jump. They're not. Yeah, like, they're not. As far che- as the way that so often jump scares are just something either appears out of nowhere completely illogically, and therefore the music <laughs> right. kicks up really loud. And of course, mm-hmm. it's scary because really loud music and images you don't expect just startle people. Yeah. It doesn't make it scary; it just yeah. startles you. Not so. Even if the thing you see isn't scary, you may still jump in the theater because. 
hey, loud noise. Yeah. And that's just how humans react. Right. But the very first one of this movie. The dog is, bowl? It's the dog bowl. Yeah. There's nothing surprising about what happens. It's just that the noise is loud, but you see the noise coming because mm-hmm. she's just trying to creep out. Yeah, and, and she's, she's looking bo- She's looking back. Yeah, and yeah. so she kicks it, and you can see that she's about to kick it. None of that is shocking, and the bull makes about as loud of a noise as a metal bull makes when you kick it across the floor. Yeah. So it's actually a perfectly like normal diegetic sound, mm-hmm. but it's scary not because... It makes you jump, not because it's, oh, God... It is that, but it's tied to what's happening. You yeah. know that she's trying to be quiet and get out. Mm-hmm. And there's this tension already built there. And it's not scary because the noise was loud and it shocked you. It's scary because you know that her enemy right now is loud sound. Yeah. And so what you're, what you're scared of is the same thing she's scared of, which yes. is that she might have woke, woken him. And then the other time, it is not a di- diegetic sound, which is when she pours the paint on him. And it's kind of, it does, but it does make oh, a yeah. lot of noise and it's mm-hmm. kind of a jump scare. But also what's so scary about that is you know he's somewhere and what she revealed is he's, he's right up in your fucking face. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. But I also have to add to the dog bowl thing is that, uh, wait, I can't recall entirely, um, but the dog was introduced after the dog bowl at that point, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. See, there you go. So it also served as another purpose. It wasn't just some random You knew there was a metal dog. Tin. Yeah, there was a dog. Which would then become very important to yeah. multiple things in the movie, yeah. actually. In fact, yeah, exactly. It's... So this is something that we both questioned in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is the dog still there when everything is tarped, right? Yeah. That should already kind of give some sort of uh, clue to the characters in the story. Can we can we talk about the whole opening sequence and the dog? Please we'll start do, with yeah. the dog? Mm-hmm. Go. So just from the dog... You see the dog bowl, Zeus, and then she, the dog, dog comes out to kind of do what dogs do, which is like, why are you leaving without me? Mm-hmm. And she's going to leave, and she turns around to take his shot collar off. Mm-hmm. Also, just another little nod to this guy's kind of abusive. Yeah. And that's what ends up, when she's trying to get it off, the dog is kind of wiggling, and it bumps the car, which is what sets the car alarm off, which makes her have to run extra fast because this is going to wake him up, obviously. So dog bowl leads directly to dog, leads directly to her having to get away faster. Leads later to, as we said, when she comes back to the house, good strong hint that he's around because someone's taking care of the dog. But also the dog is valuable because it helps give her a, head, a heads up because the dog knows where he is because the mm-hmm. dog can smell him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's just a tiny little thing. That is used in every way can possibly be used. Yeah. No, no wasted element of... Pepper so, throughout. Yeah. Yep. It's, we introduced a dog not because we want you to like her because when characters like dogs, you like them more. <laughs> that, hey, that's, a, that's true. And it may even be somewhat true here that there's lots of reasons to like her character. Mm-hmm. But also, we're not, we didn't just do it for that reason. This dog is integral to this story. Not, not for the plot necessarily like in a character sense, but... It, it exists for a reason that mm-hmm. is used over and over and over again. And the same thing goes with that entire opening sequence. For one, that beginning opening sequence is the epitome of cinema. It is, it is entirely silent. Yep. Okay, fine, there are a couple. You get that information just by what you're seeing. Then you see it's very clear that she doesn't want to wake him, possibly for uneasy reasons, because of her acting. You can just tell she's mm-hmm. she's being very, very cautious. And then she retrieves an antidepressant from underneath her mattress. Clearly, she doesn't want him to know that she's very unhappy. And then she goes and shakes the glass, and the dust kicks up in the glass. She's drugged him. Okay, so what exactly is going on here? She goes and gets her bug-out bag, which has 
money, passport, social security card, puts the drugs in it, and it has birth control. Birth control. Mm-hmm. Birth control that she was hiding from him. Okay. You can start to put together now, without anybody saying a word, she's escaping an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. No characters had to tell you this. Nothing overt had to happen. It's just essentially one woman's performance in her trying to escape. Yep. That's when we lead into things like, okay, she goes and she moves the camera to, to show him. Okay, so now we see, now we know he's, he's got her on lockdown. Like, he has cameras all over his house. Just keeping tabs. And she's going to use them sort of against him. Mm-hmm. She goes, so she turns the camera towards him, brings up the security camera on her phone so she can watch him. And then she goes down into his, what you can gather is a lab. There's a bunch of computers. There's even the suit is in the background yeah. in that shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know what that suit is for, but you know at this point, okay, he's a tech genius of some kind. Probably based on their houses, he probably owns a tech company. He's probably a millionaire. Right. And then he starts, she shuts off all the, all the uh, security cameras. Then she goes, and as she leaves, then there's the dog. And then even when she says, I'm not going to let him keep you like this, that's like the first word spoken. And she tries to take off a shot collar. Mm-hmm. So. Really, by the time you get to any two characters actually speaking words to each other, you know everything you need to know about her and him, our protagonist and our antagonist, and what is in store What's for What's at us. stake, yeah. And all those th- elements will also be continued to be used throughout. Um, the diazepam will be used to... Drug her later. To drug her later and to taunt her, as mm-hmm. you mentioned before. The cameras will be how she ends up succeeding scot-free, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, the suit in his lab will be how she goes back and thinks she's going to succeed the first time before mm-hmm. she does the camera trick. She also uses the suit, too. Um, the dog to alert her. The dog to alert her. All of these things that we saw in that first... I don't know how long it is. It's probably less than 10 minutes. But every single thing we see in, let's say, the first seven to eight minutes of this movie is like a... A blueprint to the entire film and it's and it's completely silent it is all visual images and performance and it's astounding it is incredible yeah. it is the like i said it's the epitome of filmmaking like it is it is a master class on how you introduce characters setting world and conflict it is just the best way you can possibly it is best example of this is how it's done i want to add two two things to that uh, one is more closely to a lot of what you're saying. Because usually with uh, how you would start a movie, you want to bring it to where the conflict is inescapable at that point, right? We didn't, have to, we didn't need to know the, the backstory where we see that he is abusive to her. All we had to see was her trying to escape this relationship and the lengths she's taken to, to escape, right? right? That already suggests enough. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we later learn about what he does um, and then how that's implemented. The other thing is I think there's a certain craft uh, with people that do horror or suspense. It instilled this sort of feeling as you go through the movie. And I think because in that type of genre, they do it best, right? Yeah, um, sure. A lot of it is showing things and making you feel things without telling you. So what actually could be the problem here is, so what... How can you make it more tense than that opening sequence in a movie that going forward? But they actually do a pretty good job sometimes, mainly because they at least believably construct that she can't beat him, that he he always has the upper hand. And they also establish new stakes for her in introducing James and Sydney, uh, who she clearly becomes very close with as she stays with them and she's escaping. 
and less so her sister, but I mean, there's the shortcut of their family, I guess. Yeah. Because they even they even do carefully plan scenes like, for one, James is very protective of her and try is encouraging her to go outside and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also mm-hmm. when she gifts them the ladder and the the account the college account fund. And they celebrate with, you know, there's just all these little moments that make them, she's cooking them breakfast, that show you they have a very close relationship. So then when Adrian is alive and invisible, at first he seems like he's just going to toy with her. Right. But then as he starts to fuck with them, it adds just a whole new level of stakes that she can't just, I mean, she can't just kill herself or you know, whatever. Like he always has, he always has some kind of tool he can use against her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because no one believes her, she can't stop him from having that tool. Mm-hmm. She can't warn anyone. Not to mention the fact that he can just do the thing like with it, like with her sister, he can just frame her for killing someone and there's nothing she can do about it. Right. So the movie's always finding ways, I guess this is where I'd go against, not against what you said before, because I think that, that that is a that is a legitimate path for the movie where you have so, so sort of the slowly the doubt creeping into the people around her. Where I'm fine with the, what it did there, mainly because it got us to an escalation of okay, well she's going to fight against him, but he's just going to show how well I've planted all these seeds and now everyone hates you, just to prove that she can't just go get help because that's a problem with horror movies a lot of times is we'll just get help from someone and it's like mm-hmm. well she can't he's made sure she can't right i just think that that part of it doesn't need to go on as long as it did i think escalate mm-hmm. to where her sister dies james hates her whenever she found the suit for the first time mm-hmm. maybe then shortly after that okay so it was she gets she finds out that he's got the suit she calls a lift driver then she goes to the house she comes back and she meets with the sister and then That's from there right, yeah See, actually... See, meeting with the sister and the sister dying, that feels like the darkest moment. It, it's good. But then there's still like 20 minutes of the movie left. And I yeah. think maybe more than that, maybe 25 mm-hmm. or 30. Well, because of the additional wrapping up. So I think that's where personal. it got to feeling weird to me. Because I was like, if that was the darkest moment, then the movie should be ending for... Like, there should be darkest moment, taking of the sword, climax, yeah, yeah. denouement. Mm-hmm. And, but instead, it's like one too many darkest moments... Like, I want to argue that the reason why the ending was drawn out a little bit was to kind of throw people's expectations a little bit. Because in all honesty, it's not exactly a new concept, but it's a wonderfully done uh, concept. And so the part of, like, adding more doubt, um, like the, uh, I keep forgetting the name of the drug, diazepam. Instead of her finding it immediately, she gets the call from the, the doctor saying, hey, you had a high level of diazepam in your blood. Right, and she's like, "How is that possible?" Like she, mm-hmm. and let the wheels turn a little bit more. It isn't until she gets to the attic that she finds the diazepam, and I don't know why there was a knife up there. She no. drops the knife, but there was never any question. No, she of, found the diazepam in the, the bathroom. The bathroom sink. I know. I'm yeah. saying that she should find it in the attic. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, the knife he took the knife from when the it kitchen. Fell, yeah, when it fell. Yeah, but I don't, she I don't never, think it ever fell. I think it, he just took it. He just I think, took I think it. he grabbed it off the. But she never was like, "Where did where did this?" That knife is go? true. Do you um, see what I'm saying? The knife. I knew where the knife came from, but yeah, I don't narratively. I don't know why she had to find it. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. um, she doesn't use it in that scene. I wonder if something was cut out where See, she was I like, so. "Oh, I had." It. I know for sure what something was cut out from the trailer where she's like, "Someone sitting in that chair." That that was not in the movie in the final yeah. cut. But 
adding to my my point is that she finds all of this in the attic when she makes the call so it gets to the point where she's like she thinks she's going crazy mm. like she's even doubting herself but she knows it to be true um and it also pulls the audience into thinking that oh maybe she is i mean maybe not we know that the movie is called the invisible man and we know what's going to happen well but... actually i would argue that the, the trailer probably shouldn't have the trailer really does walk through all the major plot points. Yeah. It really does say, oh, he killed himself. No, he didn't. He's a ghost. Right. No, he didn't. He's Invisible Man. I kind of wish the trailer was just like... I wish the trailer teased that it was a haunting movie. Yeah. And then... Because there is a revelation to be had there. Is yeah. she crazy or is she not See, crazy? See, that's what I wanted. Yeah. That's what I'm saying in terms of the movie. Because like for us as the audience member... Because, I mean, the beginning sequence already pulls us into her character. Right? And we believe her. We know that this guy's an asshole. And then throughout the movie, we find that all of her support has been systematically taken away, only for her to find the smoking gun of, like, the diazepam, the knife, his phone, um, the pictures, uh, those kinds of things. So at that point, that's when we actually see them engage, where she actually fights them off, and that, that fits perfectly. That fits more perfectly because I thought of it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you essentially saying that we should should come to its head there-ish, like when she finds those things. Where she gets away, right? Mm -hmm. She beats him. She finds out that he has a suit. He is actually there, mm -hmm. right? So she does prove it, and for us to see as the audience member. Now she has to do something new with this newfound information, right? So that's why she goes back to the house. And then that's where she gets the... She goes through the investigation. She decides to try to out him by meeting with her sister, to get more support, and then that's where her legs are taken out from under her. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't. I'm not. I'm. It's not clear to me what what change you're making because you just said the plot of the movie. <laughs> it's they're small <laughs> details. Like as I okay, so the movie executes it. It executes what it sets out to do. However, there are some things that I think could have enhanced it. Not show that the diazepam was there. If we if we don't include that, and she goes to talk to the brother to get more information and he says i know he's following me that would also give more doubt for james's character to be like what is she talking about because there she was able to produce something tangible so you're you're, you're more talking about rearranging the elements slightly to enhance their effect so yes. she has that scene before so she you have that scene where she's talking to tom and she's like i know he's following me and james is like you're a fucking crazy bitch and then when they go home from there that's when he presents the diazepam to her like adrian does like that's or that's when she finds it in the attic. She finds it in the attic. She finds, she it, finds it after it, oh, she yeah. tried to convince someone. Yeah, and James is already doubtful, and she seems more erratic because now she has nothing to really argue for her case against Tom. He's like, I know she can he's even here. bring the bottle. Once she finds it, she can even bring the bottle out to James. He's like, see, I told you it was in my. I told you he did this to me. And he's like, he could just be like, I mean. Well, Why didn't you have that before? You just well, see, I that, know you just found that just now. Also, a, a huge element of. Her character is mm -hmm. that this asshole keeps gaslighting her. I do think I do think that would add an element too. I think that maybe one of the reasons why the the director didn't. I, I agree that that would enhance the effectiveness of the movie. I don't think there's anything terribly wrong with the way the movie's structured now. No, no, it's fine. But I yeah. think that the only reason the only thing I can think of is that possibly the director just thought kind of what you just mentioned. We know the movie's called The Invisible Man, so yeah. I, I can't hide from them that she's not mm -hmm. crazy. I, I see my any change that I would make is actually a lot simpler than that, and that is just that like I would probably cut out the whole sequence out in the rain. Ma mainly, I just think that there's 
Oh yeah, because there's a little better. too many suspense things when you're you're ready now. She now kind of has the upper hand in that he is revealed, and so I don't need a bunch of scenes of them going back and forth. You can get me to that dinner scene a little bit faster than you did, because I felt like the sequence the sequence towards the end of the hospital, him killing all the guards, mm-hmm. them out in the parking lot in the rain. I don't yeah. think the rain scene. There's anything wrong with the rain scene itself. It's just the scene just doesn't serve a purpose to the narrative. Any more though than any more than the last scene did, which is right. that you kind of got the upper hand on him, but you'll never truly have the upper hand on him. That's what mm-hmm. that scene. That's what both of those scenes are trying to prove. She can reveal him. He can have weakness, but he'll still win. Both of those scenes have that same purpose. So why do they both have to exist side by side? There's just like a 15 minute sequence of the movie that has one point, and the point was made. 10 minutes before right. the sequence ended is, is all I'm saying. I mean, in some parts it was a little cathartic, but I think what the cathartic part was when she stabs him with the pen. Right, which that's the beginning. That like, and then, yeah. you, then she runs out the door and then suddenly you're in the rain and the guards mm-hmm. are looking for yeah. her. Skip the whole hallway scene. I don't care yeah, which yeah. one you skip. No, no. I, I think that's better the because... Same. Yeah. They're the are, same scene. Just skip one of them. Yeah, that's my point. That's all, my, that's all I'm saying. It, it, I feel like that could be kind of good because like the rain only kind of casts a silhouette um still not entirely visible it's not actually as helpful as you would think which i think is i think that the director knew that that you'd think exactly what i thought the theater when i said oh his only weakness the water Water. (laughs) i think the director knew oh you're so used to seeing because with hollow man you saw that Uh wetness would reveal him and i think the director knew okay you'll think you'll be able to see him but he's not that obvious plus it's i mean yeah when it's raining it's still obscuring your vision um but yeah and that could have been used more that i think that might have been a little more tense um, to be honest. No, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, also, I didn't actually think about it until you just said something a minute ago about his brother, but um, when his brother walks away, he says, we'll be watching. Also a nice little hint that they both wear the suits. They both wear. Yeah. yeah. We should wrap this up real quick. The only other thing I wanted to touch on, by all means, touch on something if you would like to, is just, I don't think the movie had a huge budget in the world. Uh, the CG does not always look that it great. It does not, no. Um, it looks a little dated. Luckily, there's not that much of it. Mostly, it's just invisible. But when yeah. his invisibility meshes Interacts. with the real world, mm-hmm. it's not the best. It's not distractingly awful, right. but it's not. It's clearly. It looks like five years ago. It yeah. looks like it's noticeable, but it's not too distracting. Yeah. Um, like for example, the knife when the sister dies, um, when she's carried in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Like yes, I was trying yeah. to figure out where her, his hand placement, her bodies, her yeah. like her sweater CG, and it looks weird. Yeah. Like, I was trying to see, like, if you had to imagine, is he, holding her? Yeah. is he holding her by the neck with his right hand and then using her left, his left hand to, to hold, hold her, her knife arm? out? Yeah. Yeah. But then she waved her arm in such a way, I was like, there's no way he would, arm. Yeah. I felt like that when, when he was holding James down and beating him, James kicks and punches in a couple ways. It's there's like, like nothing. He would have had to have hit him, hit him. at yeah. one of those times. Uh-huh. If he's holding his collar, he would have in had of to, one of, yeah. one of James's motion would have had to collided with him. Yeah. Um, also, and then after he gets shot and he drops... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, that's. <laughs> Couldn't you just actually put a guy in a suit and just drop him? At that point, yeah, and then just yeah. edit him out and then yeah. phase him back into the image. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, just when in that scene when she's in the kitchen when he's holding her up and stuff, later on in that scene, he flips the dining room table over uh-huh. and he, then he starts dragging her by her hair oh, first yeah. and then by her feet. And then her feet. How did and that then, transition? Yeah. That was a super weird that transition. That was a weird transition. Uh, one thing that super took me out of it, though, is then she grabs the kitchen table and holds onto it, and he has to break her grip in order to pull her. 
a grown man pulling someone holding onto a table, the table would move across the table. The yeah. table would not be this pillar, this yeah. <laughs> immovable pillar. Right. The table would drag. Yeah. Um, and I was like, because she's holding onto it, and he, he has to, like, peel her off of it. And it's like, uh-huh. no, the table would just be pulled. I mean, it's not exactly new. I feel like they've done invisible CGI before where they've had someone in a green suit and just kind of do all the real do motions. all the real motions yeah. yeah so i don't know it's a little um it's weird i mean yeah. they probably probably for the sake of i don't know which would be easier or harder i mean for the sake of him like holding her up by her neck and stuff like that right she would need some kind of rigging and like strings and stuff you could still do it they probably yeah. they probably still did it partially that way yeah but why he wasn't holding her in that process i don't know i don't know but it doesn't seem like he was right she seems this is gonna sound stupid she seems floaty but yes. i don't mean floaty like she's floating in the air i mean like she there's not. She something, goes from A to B too seamlessly. Something concrete isn't actually moving her. Yeah. The the camera the the movie magic is moving her. Not right. Not an invisible person. Mm-hmm. Adding more to the nitpick real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know if I had actually addressed this earlier. The horror trope. I don't know. She doesn't do stupid things, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah. No. She's she tries her best. The, the everything. The, yeah. The great thing about the building thread in this movie mm-hmm. is that he's not a threat because she's unskilled or stupid he's a threat because she's actually trying her damnedest and she's making good moves yeah he just happens to be well for one he's invisible which makes it pretty fucking hard but also he he's thought of a lot of things too so Mm -hmm. she's being outsmarted not because she's dumb but because they are worthy adversaries to each other well the invisibility thing is pretty unnormal really yeah it really gives him the upper (laughs) hand in an unfair way yeah um Thank you all for listening to the Thank Character you. Art Podcast. Um, Character Art Please podcast. follow us on Facebook and on Instagram follow at us. Character Arc. Um, you can visit us at characterarc.net where you can find all of our podcasts. Um, and do subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. That is Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or really any of them. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. It really helps people find us yep, yep. and keep us doing what we're doing. Doing what we're doing. I'm Richard Bertelson. And I am Ted Hong. Thank you. Thank you.